On this edition of the Table of Content, Michael and I will look at the New World Martyrology, an original story by Gretelyn Darkey, and we'll find out what we can learn from aliens. Stay tuned. That's coming up next, right here on the Table of Content. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of The Table of Content. I am Albert Sines. And I'm Michael Steele. And we are glad to have you on board for another review episode where we will be looking into one of our recordings. And as you heard in the intro, we are looking at the New World Martyrology, an original story by Gretel and Darkey. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that story and try to open it up for conversation and what might be hiding that we can learn. Uh, now, if you heard, I said, what can we learn from aliens? Uh, are there aliens in this story? Yes, there are. Is this some sci-fi epic with lasers and spaceships and uh, world conquest? No, not exactly. There is some conquest going on. Uh, but uh, I do want you to take a listen to the story. If you haven't heard it yet, pause the podcast uh, and go to waobaudiotheater.org and look up under door-to-door storytellers scroll down the list and find the New World Martyrology and give it a listen uh, before you continue on with this podcast. Uh, but, Michael, uh, let's uh, let's give a brief synopsis here, right? So we've got an alien invasion, but as the story sort of tells it, it's actually very peaceful. Uh, these aliens come in, everyone kind of sleeps while the invasion happens. There's no violence. There's no sky beams that blow up uh, world monuments. Uh, it's all very kind of peaceful. And then we're presented with the down the road, the future after the colonization. But the world has changed because of, you know, what the uh, colonists, the aliens have sort of implemented into the world. Mm. Uh, is that a fair synopsis? Yes. Uh, sounded great. And I really like that aspect of the story. I'd never really thought about an alien invasion being peaceful, you know, that if I love that line at the opening, it says, because let's be honest, if an alien race is smart enough to make it to our planet undetected, they certainly would have a plan for what to do with us when they got here. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, well, I guess, uh, I guess we just go and blow up the world. I guess that's why we traveled across the galaxy just to go and destroy it. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely a uh, a different take from what Hollywood portrays aliens normally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so one one of these concepts is that the colonists, the aliens, have, uh, from what we gather in the story, have eliminated organized religion. Uh, specifically, we gather that Christianity has sort of been completely outlawed, banned. Uh, it's actually some sort of criminal offense to participate in Christianity. Right. Um, but what, can you can you expand a little bit for, for the listeners without giving away, I guess, a whole lot? What exactly is the twist to our protagonist here? Well, it's interesting. The twist is... You have the classic story, like you, really the, the people who are being invaded are usually portrayed as the underdogs, the victims, 
the righteous uh, ones who suffer, right? And they're really the ones that our empathy leans towards. And the beauty of the story is that it's written from the perspective of this human person who is uh, completely in love with one of the uh, aliens, and she's like completely out of his league in all senses of the word, both species, but also talent and, uh, and career and success and everything. He's head over heels in love with her. And so the story sort of unfolds in that narrative and, and they hadn't seen each other in a while. And they've, uh, he's made plans for, you know, their future together by getting a house. And then she has something to tell him, which is, uh, which is really intriguing. It sort of puts the, as you mentioned, the twist or the reverse on the classic sort of, uh, we're an oppressed race, but we're really the righteous ones. So we have the character Cecily, who's the uh, the alien, one of the aliens, uh, perhaps not one of the original colonists, but just one of the, uh, I guess you'd say one of the children from the colonists. Because we, it just it feels mm-hmm. like a lot of time has passed since the original mm-hmm. colonization in the story. So Cecily is with German, and Cecily has a confession to make to German, and it's that. She has basically found Christ. Yes. And German is completely sort of taken back and almost in a very sort of visceral way. Uh, he, he, he responds to Cecily almost like, you're kidding. Like the, those, right. those, those maniacs, the, 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 the crazy right. people. Yeah. The Jesus freaks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, so it, it, that's, that's one of probably the, the, the biggest twists, I think, is that it's one of the aliens themselves who ends up being converted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, they, they, you know, of course they explain that it's sort of not in the public sphere because obviously it has to be kept very private and she has, some group of them that have gathered in some remote location and she's she and she believes you know she has come yeah. to believe she has found her faith she has found god and german is just completely just like mm. no please like you you right it, you know what this means right yeah this can't be happening yeah i have to report you yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a that's a that's a hard moment, is it? I mean, it just you can almost feel it. Like, oh, come on! Yeah. Like, yeah, I I wanted Ger- I really did. I wanted German to sort of at the last minute sort of run off with her, you know. But I, I guess it lends itself to sort of a, a dramatic climax. Like you don't know what happens. German calls and reports her in as she's speeding mm-hmm. away, and mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I I, I guess I. Where where I want to carry this conversation is not really doing a lot of plot exposition, but is in mm. that point of the foreigner coming to find God and the local who should be the one to believe in right. God is not. Right. And just to kind of get that conversation going, my question to you is— that seems like a fairly modern concept, doesn't it? Right, it does. And, you know, the line from the Bible comes to mind, you know, a prophet is not accepted in his own hometown, 
And it sort of goes along that same line. Like you would think, well, Jesus Christ, first of all, you know, if we're operating within the, the confines of the story, came to save humans, right? He came for humanity. And so, but at the same time, he's God. So he transcends sort of the human experience or the human nature. And so if a super rational or highly intelligent alien species would come to earth and were to be exposed to his message, yeah, some might, you know, like you were saying, some might think of it as um, culturally subversive or empowering to the people that they're trying to dominate. And so, well, we just got to outlaw this thing because it's it's giving people uh, uh, an access to a deeper meaning to reality, right? And then at the same time, working within their species, there would be those who would be attracted by the message of Christ, the one of truth, of self-sacrifice, of loving your neighbor. Whereas, I don't know, at the same time, within the confines of the story, if the humans, if, if religion had been outlawed, I'm sure, again, this highly intelligent alien species, and maybe I'm stretching the story a little bit, but probably had propaganda machines to culturally indoctrinate people to have this emotional distaste for Christianity, but not founded on real reasons. It's just like, wow. Well, you know, I mean, what comes to mind, I mean, obviously, I I really think this is still a modern day issue, but I mean, I think Mm. of, um, I think of Poland and the communist occupation of Poland and thinking of uh, John Paul II, uh, you know, before he was John Paul II, he was Carol Watiwa and, you know, his story of having to sort of encounter the communists that were invading Poland and trying to sort of stamp out religion in right. the name of their their system. And of course, yeah. the the Communist Party, you know, as I understand it, you know, they want to they want to rule, they want to lead, they, they want to have organization, they want to have, you know, political dominance. They're not necessarily trying to be evil. Uh, you know, I, I know we've had right. our share of bad communist dictators through history, but on the whole, yeah. they're just trying to make sure they're the ones that are in charge. And so yeah. sort of organized religion, especially Christianity, is sort of not uh, not supported. It's sort of frowned upon. And yeah. it feels that, that that's always coming to mind when I was thinking about, you know, modern day renditions of the story that we read in the New World Martyrology is you have the communists come in, they take over, they kind of get rid of re- religion and they say, hey, well, we're kind of the religion mm-hmm. uh, and you follow us and we'll take care of you. But if you try to go against us and you try to look to a higher power than us, uh, it's not going to turn out well. Right. And the ironic thing is that if you operate from that premise, it's not going to turn out well either way. You know, it just because any creature doesn't have the wherewithal of itself to play creator, you know, absolute creator, to put themselves in a God position. And I think that's really where all the uh, problems start. Um, anyone who tries to sort of overreach. And that, isn't that the classic fallen human nature dynamic of we're always trying to overreach where we're, you know, where we are, who we are. But, um, as you were talking, I was also thinking of another uh, moment when this was happening 
in history that uh, at the fall of the Roman Empire, when I was thinking of St. Augustine's Confessions, but also his City of God. And he wrote the City of God precisely because Christians were being blamed for the fall of the Roman Empire. Here we had this flourishing civilization that dominated Western civilization for, you know, uh, years and years and years, hundreds of years, and then all of a sudden it uh, it collapses, and it's because they were saying the Christians encouraged the Romans to turn away from the worship of their gods to worship this Christian god, and so he writes the city of God to basically say no, it was inherent vices and corruption within the. Roman Empire itself that led to its own destruction. It wasn't Christianity's fault. But anyways, I digress. But you you said it before and you made it again in that example, but when when something is tried, I don't want to make it into a physics lesson, but when you try to compress something, right? You, You try really hard to compress something that is exerting pressure in reverse, at some point, it gets so tight, right? So uh, whatever, the, the atoms are coming in on each other and they're getting closer and closer and tighter. And then mm. and you can't and you can't really push it any further, but the atoms are trying really, really hard to get out. And then something happens, right? So let's say there's a, mm. uh, there's, you're trying to squeeze a ball really, really tight and eventually it cracks or it tears or there's too much pressure from the inside and it just, it breaks, right? And the dam bursts and then it just everything comes out. So we try to contain God, which is impossible, whether it's through the story of an alien colonization or a communist party or the Roman occupation, you know, mm. but at some point the, the dam bursts. I, I yeah. was thinking about uh, in Jurassic Park, the very first one, uh, which is probably the best one. Okay. Let's just yes. admit it. Which is very, probably oh, the best absolutely. one. And, you know, they're talking about, uh, they're sitting around the table and Jeff Goldblum's character, he says, you know, you were, you were so busy trying to play God. You, you didn't think what you didn't think whether you should, I butchered the the line, but he's basically saying like, you know, you were too busy trying to be, be all creative and make dinosaurs. And you never stopped to think whether you should be doing this or not. And of course, what happens, right? So, uh, they said, you know, evolution always find a way or life always finds a way because they had tried to keep all of the dinosaurs female, but something happened and they found out now the dinosaurs can reproduce and everything, of course, goes haywire and Jurassic Park sort of fails until Mm -hmm. they resurrected in Jurassic World, but that's a separate story. Uh, (laughs) Which I just just actually started watching it again last night, Jurassic World. So anyways. But but the point is, is that they couldn't contain it, right? When, when you yeah. try to contain something, when you try to make it something it's not, mm. it just, it's going to break either it, it, as far as man is concerned. I think you try to contain man in one way, someone at some point is going to want to break free. Yes. So in, in our story, we have, a, we gather now because of what Cecily's saying is there are others who were not content with having Christianity abolished. Right. And they say we're not going to we're not going to stand for for this and we are going to rise up and we're going to believe in the God that we believe in. Mm. And it just seems mm. like 
and we and we're seeing those examples. We're seeing those examples from history and even today. Right. I like what you said that you know taking that example from Jurassic Park life will find a way or you know Christianity will find a way. Christ will find a way, you know. And I used to uh, when I was younger I used to get all distraught about the way the world was going and especially, you know, nowadays, you know, if you're a Christian, you know, you kind of everyone's saying it's uncertain, you know, and we we're living in truly unprecedented times. But then the thought occurred to me, well, Jesus is still working in each person's heart. Like he's still there as God. He's he's God. He created everyone. Human beings, good, bad, you know, uh, everyone. And so that sort of, in one sense, is a hopeful thought that, and in the context of the story, even in the, in like this worst case scenario of a, a alien invasion, you know, um, he's still working in the hearts of uh, Cecily and this community that she finds. Like she's, like you were saying, it hints at, the story hints at others who have found Christ and thought came to mind the, the Greek word for church, ecclesias, means community. You know, it's it's a group of people who believe in Jesus. So in the in sort of the ancient uh, Greek sense of the word. But, uh, and then one of the beautiful things as well that the story brings out is that there, you know, there is that s- Christ is a unifying figure, but he's also divisive. Some people will accept him and other people just won't be able to, you know, uh, accept him. The uh, German was probably in his own mind doing the right thing, but it kind of makes you wonder if like later on was there hope for him or if he's just following his, you know, sort of social grooming. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said the word social grooming because I feel like that is an excellent example for what we see on on the smaller scale, you know, not uh, not some large political regime trying to take over a country or persuade its mm. people. But so I, I know society as a whole is big, but the way it's approached, I feel, is a more personal level. But so the social norms that we are surrounded by, you know, in German's case, right? It's like, well, this is just what we do, right? This is, we, we, we don't, we don't believe in this God thing. We don't believe in this mumbo jumbo Christianity, you know, it's mm-hmm. a, there are a bunch of, you know, hokey people in, in our society today, right? We sort of, society is on this sort of, scale this tipping point of like god jesus like no like what are you doing like why are you burning your time Mm -hmm. so we're surrounded by this from the media movies tv shows music uh just the people we encounter in our daily lives the people that we hear about on the news and like oh well i don't know i mean no one else seems to be doing this God thing. Oh, I'm just, I'm going to, I just want to do what's right. And if everyone's saying I shouldn't be doing God, then, you know, I guess I do my own thing, right? And so I just think that the, that social cue, right? a lot of people just respond to what's around them and what society's doing. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a really kind of a dangerous place to be uh, because those who control the narrative actually control, you know, the way society goes, you know, but, um, as I say, dangerous, dangerous in, in a certain sense of, uh, as a society in general, but that's the same, but at the same time, the, the key is also community and those believers who band together and they're faithful to Jesus. They go through times of persecution but then, like you were saying, life will always find a way. The church and Christ will always find a way. It might not maybe enjoy the same type of temporal, social, political prestige as it had in years past. But, hey, as Christians, we started out being outlaws from the beginning. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I like that. I like that. We're, we're really just a bunch of outlaws. Right. Exactly. We're just a bunch of outlaws, you know. And I, I feel like historically in the historical context here, it's we've enjoyed a period of blessing and peace and benevolence. The fact that right that society in general, governmental society, has recognized the value of religion and religious worship and you know, America, the great American experience, you know, experiment is that, well, all people should be able to practice religion according to the dictates of their conscience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel that that goes, that works only so far because every religion as a worldview subscribes to certain claims about the truth of reality. And so if those truths clash or that worldview clashes against another worldview, there's going to be conflict. You know, like there's a reason why I don't think as Americans we've adopted the the Hindu practice of burying the wife alive when the husband pass away. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So well you know I, I I'm not sure what what trajectory we are on. You know, I, I don't think we're, let's, let's start with a story. I don't think we're in danger of an alien colonization that will come and, you know, uh, take over peacefully and then slowly eradicate Christianity. I don't think we're in danger of that. And, you know, to the point where suddenly it's something that was hidden that has to sort of be resurrected. Like I think in our modern day, I think Christianity is always going to have a a foothold. It's going to have a place, and it will never sort of be uh, completely abolished, uh, no matter what extreme government changes may happen across the world. Like, Christianity is kind of here to stay. You know, I I think that there's obviously going to be some some push. There's going to be some friction. There's going to be some, you know, reasons to sort of stand up and sort of make a stand as Christians. Uh, I mean, we've seen that sort of in the sort of the past sort of 10 years, you know, as things have changed on the political sphere and we've had to sort of, you know, assert ourselves as Christians and religious freedom. I mean, I don't think, you know, people have been having to fight for religious freedom for, you know, millennia, I'm sure. Mm. But in our sort of own life experience, you know, we've had this recent battle with religious freedom, but, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be something that 
we're having to go to the mountains to have a private Christian worship service, you know, and fear right. for our lives, you know. Right. Uh, but, you know, there's definitely this, I would say, genuine concern, you know, that, hey, you know, we, we've, we've, we've got to sort of hold on to our beliefs. We have to hold on to our, our Christianity. We have to hold on to our religion so that it will always sort of be present, not just to us, but to the rest of the world and to future generations. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the, the beauty of this story is it highlights those types of questions, you know, and it, by taking them and putting them in that sort of dramatic global uh, situation of an, of an alien invasion, which, and it's interesting now the author Gretelin uh, mentioned that at the beginning, like the, there was, it was a peaceful alien invasion. Why? Because they completely eliminated any possibility for conflict, intellectual, physical, mm-hmm. military. Mm-hmm. They just doped everyone. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. And you just woke up and, oh, hi, you're occupied. You know, so uh, that's for me, that was one of the novel parts of the whole story. It was like, wow, huh. Who would have thought, yeah, a peaceful alien invasion that just completely eliminates any any possibility for uh for a struggle or or resistance in that sense. Yeah. So um and th- that goes back to your point of saying, yeah, I don't I don't think we're at that point uh, either societal uh, in society. But um, you know, but because we have at least we have the possibility right now to take a stand to be witnesses of Christ uh, and to live our lives in a way um, that's uh, worthy of Jesus. You know, I think, of course, uh, the most eloquent witnesses of Christianity are the martyrs themselves. And I, at the title of this story, "The New World Martyrology," was captured my attention as well. I was like, "Huh." Right, new world witnesses, or the study of the witnesses of the new world, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what the alien Cecily does. She witnesses to Christ, even though German calls the authorities on her. And you were saying it's sort of a cliffhanger. You don't know what happens. Is Cecily caught? Is she? Does she end up, you know, giving her life for Christ? It, it's sort of up in the air. You know, another interesting thought that I just had about Cecily as you talk about her uh, and her being one of the aliens, and this may have in no way been an intention of Gretlin, uh, who wrote the story, but it seems to a certain extent at times, like as we progress day to day, that the 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 Christians, that, uh, that, that we sort of are sometimes treated like aliens, you know? Uh, <laughs> yes. So, so you know, we're like, uh, what, what planet are you from? I'm from planet Jesus, you know? <laughs> you know, and then everyone else are the normal people, right? So if, if you're not Christian, you're like, oh, well, you're, you're, you're one of us. You're actually human. And um, it's, it, it's just an interesting sort of thought on how Christians are sort of, uh, you know, thought of how Christians are portrayed sometimes it's, you know, and I don't want to veer off on this one, but you know, Hollywood does a really good job of making Christians look like wackos sometimes, 
you yes. know, they have a really good job. Like, whoa, you know, and uh, especially it's like the Catholic Church has some sort of like red target on itself. Like it's like right. the way right. they portray priests and the extreme stuff that apparently priests deal with and all this other sort of just garbage. And I'm like, right. you know. You don't do this to other people, but like Christians, wow, we, we we sort of get we sort of get plastered against the wall and made out to look like just kind of freakish people, and uh, that's not really the case. But gosh, if the world isn't sort of trying at times to sort of make us out to be aliens, right? And our Lord Himself told us that this would happen, and it it almost seems like. It's part of the, the just the nature of the world and the nature of being a Christian, right? The spirit of the world is sort of concerned with the immediate, the temporal, the fleshly existence, and but the spirit of God is concerned with eternity and the hereafter. And so, Christians, you know, we're, we're called to live in the world but not be a part of it. And so that that clash and that dynamic is it's going to continue until Jesus comes again at the end of time. Right. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's, but I, I, I've had that same thought over the years. Like how is it that through media, through cinema and these campaigns that even the name of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ was turned into a swear word. And how did that come about? And who who came up with that bright idea? Like, oh yeah, we're going to turn this into a uh, a swear word, right? You know? Right. Instead of a, instead of a blessing or a way to greet people, you know, you know. But yeah, that's a whole. That would be a whole another study in and of itself. Why why is it that right? It's the loony, uh, the, the all the the negative aspects are kind of portrayed and and. and Christians are seen as just crazy or, or evil, you know, but you, you don't really see any other religious persuasions being projected in the same light. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, um, to my fellow alien, Michael Steele, and, uh, (laughs) you know, I, I, I think the, I think kind of what we take away from this story is that, um, Aside from the aliens, what we learn from here about Christianity, it's not, it's not too far fetched, and that there is obviously a need, um, and almost a call to stand up for Christianity and to make sure that in the midst of social opposition, such as sort of German, uh, mm. we still stand, uh, we still stand for the great belief in our in, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Amen. And you know, I I would hope that more people sort of I would hope that we have some more Cecilies out there. So to any any of the listeners that perhaps maybe aren't uh, aren't Christians, uh, mm. may you feel so inspired uh, by the Spirit if you know if you're called to take up Cecily's mantle. Uh, but I think even. E- e- even as Christians, we can still be Cecilies. We can still sort of stand up for for Christ, you know, whether we are already believing Christians or not yet believing Christians. Uh, I, I would just hope that uh, there are more, more Cecilies throughout the world. 
Right. That's a, a beautiful thought. And as you were talking, just to think that, you know, in the story, Cecily is part of the superior class. You know, she's one of the, she's on the upper echelons of, you know, the, of that particular society, you know, and again, that just goes back to saying that Christ is working in each person's heart. So if you feel that Christ is working in your heart, let him in. Right. No. Open the door. Open the door. Open wide the door. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Michael, it's uh, great to talk with you. Thanks again for joining us for this episode. Oh, thank you, Albert. It's always uh, a pleasure and always an inspiration to talk with you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Michael and I have been talking and reviewing the New World Martyrology by Gretelyn Darkey. I invite you again to visit our website, waobaudiotheater.org, and that is theater with an R-E at the end, uh, and look up under our door-to-door storytellers, look up the New World Martyrology and give it a listen. And uh, may you be so inspired through this story to take up a stronger mantle for Christianity. And until the next time, when I hope you will join us again, be good, stay safe. Peace.